Hi, good morning everybody. My name is Devorah S. and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from northern New Jersey, Passaic. And I'm um, really excited to see all you. Uh, some of your faces I recognize. I might have seen you on different meetings. And um, real excited when Kim asked me if I would come out here to uh, share on step one, um, because to me that was the beginning. And, you know, honestly, when I got into the program, I didn't know anything about the doctor's opinion. Um, I found a sponsor. Um, let me just give you a little background about myself. I came into this program, my top weight was 280 pounds. And, um, and I got into this program because I was sick and tired of doing what I was doing, honestly. I was a walking time bomb. I had diabetes, I had high blood pressure, um, I had little children. Um, I came in soon after I had a C-section. Um, my son was born 19 years ago. And um, I was um, really, uh, really desperate and dying, honestly. And, um, and I needed to lose the weight. Um, during that pregnancy, I was in the hospital for seven weeks because the doctor wanted to control and monitor my eating because I was suffering from diabetes. And she, she said it point blank. She said to me, you are going to deliver a, a, a dead baby. She said it right out. You are going to deliver a dead baby if you don't do something about your, uh, the diabetes and, and to control this thing. Because that's what's going to happen. Your sugars are so out of control. And she monitored me throughout the whole pregnancy, putting me in the hospital, different intervals, so that she could control my eating. I had a private room. And um, and I and they made sure every food that came in, they made sure that my the sh that it would stabilize my my um, sugars and um, and I did that and thank God I did have a, a normal healthy baby through a C-section which I've never had that was not my uh, it was not expected I had my other children were born you know naturally but there was stress and they had to cut me open and honestly during that time. The doctor said to me, it's a little bit complicated because we have to go through layers of fat. I'm really sorry to have to be so graphic, but this is the truth. This is what my story is. I have to cut through layers of fat to get to that baby. And I was actually horrified to think that this is, you know, my, I mean, I knew what I was, but everyone else has to be here about the announcement while I'm laying there. And so it was like, here I am in my head thinking, you mean, they really realize that I'm so heavy? And, um, you know, the denial. And I had this, uh, this beautiful, healthy baby. And it was at that time that I realized that, you know what? God really gave me this gift. Um, and I need to do something about this because I just want to be a healthy mother now for this new baby and a healthy wife. And I can't do this anymore. And I hit some kind of bottom. And I got into this program. And I started working it. The truth of the matter is, and it was not with the doctor's opinion. It was my sponsor told me that this is what you're going to eat. Weigh and measure your food. Food is not an option. And three meals a day and nothing in between. And call three people a day and, and get onto the meetings and listen to the meetings. And that's it. And I said, okay. That was it. I was desperate and dying. And I said, I'll do it. It was only years later that, uh, that I learned about the doctor's opinion and Bill's story and being powerless. Um, and that happened after losing 150 pounds and being in a thin body um, and realizing, like, you know, 
where's my, you know, like the pink cloud was gone. You know, it wasn't there anymore. And I had to learn the book. I had to get into the book. So getting into the book was learning about who I am, the allergy of the body and the obsession of the mind, the doctor's opinion. And I loved it because it explained to me who I was. You know, I couldn't understand why people around me, you know, I'd go to a social occasion and, you know, people would be around and, like, it would take one and leave it alone and that was it. I was like, in my days, of, I was like, how do they do that? I take the whole thing, and then it just causes me to want more. That craving developed. So when I heard about the doctor's opinion, it was like, I really went like, I was like, now I understand why all those years I couldn't stop eating. Because one was never enough, and it just wanted me to have more. I have an allergy. What's an allergy? An abnormal reaction to certain substances. And that's, that explains so much to me. And that obsession my mind telling me it's okay, tomorrow's another day, or you can just have one, or it's your birthday, you deserve it. Deserve, that was a big one for me. Like, I deserve it. You know, I'm entitled to this extra food. All those mental thoughts, my mind was telling me things that it's okay, and my body was saying, you know, it's just never enough, I need more. And that was told to me, that was learning the doctor's opinion. And it was like, whoa, this is the truth of who I am today. And I had to, you know, thank God that substances that I was addictive to was removed. Because like I said, I came into the program and my sponsor said to me, you know, I, flour, no flour, no sugar. And all the things that went along with the sugar was causing me, I mean, I used to go to bed at night with a two-liter bottle of, of Diet Coke because I was addicted to that Diet Coke. I had to drink it through the night, wake up, and I was constantly drinking it. And who would think Diet Coke? I mean, it has no calories. Everything is zero there. There's a, there's a thing out there that I was using, abusing, because that's, I abused these, I abused the privilege of these substances. You know, there's a thing out there that has zero. If you look at the content, everything is zero. Never mind the ingredients. It's like I can't even pronounce the words of what they were. But everything there was zero, 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 zero. And they came in all kinds of stuff. They had all kinds of salad dressings. And they have all kinds of toppings. You know, uh, very fancy names. I really, very, very, very appealing. And you could pour it on here, and you could mix it in this, and it's very, very exciting. <laughs> and did I know, and these bottles, each, each of these bottles cost over $3, but the truth is it was zero, 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 so therefore I'm entitled to that. What's it going to... But I realized that all these substances were causing me to crave. Even though everything was zero on there, there was something in there that was not doing well for me, that it was just, so I had to eliminate all those substances. And of course, the food behaviors as well. You know, you know, eating in the car, eating while standing, um, you know, all these things. I needed to really, um, you know, take note of how I was eating. And so that I learned in, you know, by working in this program and hearing other people talk about, you know, what they do. So... Going through the doctor's opinion and learning about myself, well, that was key. That was really, really key for me. And Lay is going to talk about, um, you know, Bill's story, but I'm going to continue with, you know, you know, in Bill's story, it talks about the, you know, a personal account. 
And um, I'm going to continue into um, more about alcoholism, where, again, now it goes back to uh, telling me about who I am in this disease. And, you know, um, I love the page on page 30, where it says, we are like men who have lost their legs. They never grow new ones. Um, That was very, very a very strong message to me when I first heard that, page 30. And actually it was told to me, you know, read the page 30 and 30, nothing else. It was a, I, wasn't, I wasn't encouraged to read anything in the big book, but I remember someone in the program that I was in said to me, every day read page 30 and 31 in the big book, you know, more about alcoholism. And I would read it religiously. Every day I would read about men who have lost their legs and they can never grow new ones. That, you know, I will never be able to go back to that way of eating, no matter what size I am, no matter what number is on the scale. This is who I am today. I can't say, well, I've made it, so therefore I can have a little piece of that or a little piece of that. It doesn't work for me. So, you know, and then it reminds me of all the things on page 31. It reminds me of all the things that I used to try to, to control this eating, you know, that paragraph. Here are some of the methods we tried, drinking beer only, limiting the number of drinks. How many of us have tried that? You know, I'm only going to eat healthy foods. I'm only going to go to the health food store and eat that stuff. I'm only going to eat, um, I remember just eating uh, lettuce a whole day, you know, buying bags of, you know, as a teenager, buying heads of lettuce and eating, that's going to be the solution. Or not eating a whole day and eating only at night. Or drinking only. How many things I've tried. Or joining a very famous weight loss club and, you know, trying that. I'm going to stick to that, the points. I'm going to, you know, whatever it was. Or only eating fruit. I mean, there was the Atkins. The Atkins is great. Eating as much as you want of all the proteins. You know, that's going to be it for me. Or so many things I've tried over and over again, and um, and you know it worked for a little while, but I was always back to like, you know, back to eating and binging and saying to myself, "How did that happen? How did it happen?" Because honestly, you know, I was I I, I didn't. I didn't commit to my powerlessness. I, you know, I didn't understand. I didn't know the depth of my of my of my disease and what I was doing to myself. So this is again. This chapter is reminding me, just in case I forgot through you know through Bill's story and the solution, bringing me back to the to the unmanageability of my life once I pick up those substances. And you know, the it tells us you know the example. You know, they give us um, different people, the man of 30, who stopped drinking on page 32. He stopped drinking, you know, he, he, he stopped because he was a, he, he, um, he wanted to get further in his career. So he stopped drinking for a considerable amount of time. And then once he stopped drinking, you know, it says he took his carpet slippers and he was like, you know, he, he was retired. And he thought that maybe now he could um, start drinking again. And how often I said that, you know, I got down to a goal weight, I was thin, I was in a small size, so now I could try. Now I can have a little bit of this and a little bit of that, and I'm okay now. My mind told me, it's okay now. I could, I could, I could eat like everybody else. And then I was back up there, and he was right away, he was dead within a few years. I mean, 
this is all these stories they, they tell us, you know, they say, how do you want to get a person into this program? Talk about your own personal experience, what you've done in the past. So these stories remind me of the powerlessness and the mental, the craziness of my mind, you know, of, of um, how my mind tells me things that are just not true. You know, I, I'm just so grateful for these stories because, you know, when I read them originally, it was like, really, can I relate to this guy, Jim, you know, who is this, you know, car salesman, and can I really relate to him? Like, all those years ago, it was like, I don't know if I'm that alcoholic. I don't know. I never lost my home. I never lost my family. You know, I never was out on the street because I was a drunk, because I was, you know, ate too much or whatever. I didn't. You know, I, I couldn't relate to these to these alcoholics. But, you know, today, because I, you know, study this big book, I could really relate to feeling um, feeling so hopeless and, and at the end of my at the end of my rope and not uh, and knowing that my addiction um, will drive me to the will drive me back there and I can you know, be um, with, without any um, a loner, because this disease takes me there. You know, I experience that in this disease. I experience the loneliness and the, and the, um, the unmanageability. Um, maybe at that time I was so preoccupied with the food that I didn't realize the, what I was going through. But now looking back, I see what the food did to me. Um, and, you know, I always thought, you know, I always thought that the food, you know, like, oh, it made me feel so, it relieved me of the stress and it relieved me of all the, you know, I ate because, you know, it was, I was entitled to it. It just relieved me of that. And I realized today, you know, the food was the solution. I looked to the food to make me feel better. You know, it was, it was made me, it, it calmed me down, you know. But it really, it was a very short-term relief. Whatever was going on in my life was still there. The food was like the Band-Aid for it. And it didn't relieve me of all the other stuff that was going on around me. So I needed to take more of action. And I needed to, you know, work through the rest of the program. You know, this was the beginning. Putting down the food was just the beginning. And like I said, when I first got in and I, I came in and I was abstinent and I lost all this weight, and I'll pass around my pictures here, just in case if you wonder if I was really there. Um, the, the food, you know, it, it was very short term because in my head, it was like it wasn't, I, I did not have the peace and contentment that I do today. No longer am I obsessing, no longer am I feeling the allergy being um, triggered because I'm, um, you know, abstinent. Um, the food has definitely has its place, and I have clarity now to continue on with the rest of my, to, to the rest of this program. But I have to remember, and that's why I'm here today, I have to remember where I came from, the powerlessness, the hopelessness, um, being that fat kid who was the, on the outsider, standing online, you know, uh, you know, waiting to go horseback riding in camp and wondering, you know, being an eight-year-old child and wondering, is that horse going to be able to hold me up? Because that's, you know, food and dieting was so much of my growing up years that it was like, it took over my whole mind, you know, took over. I, I, as a child, my mother would pick me up 
to go to a nutritionist to try to figure out, like, how we can help Devora with her manageability with the food. Other kids got picked up to go to gymnastics and for sports. I got picked up to take me to a, to a nutritionist to figure out how we're going to get this food thing under control. It was a very much big part of my growing up years. And I have to say today, thank God, it's not there today um, because I follow, you know, as few simple rules in this program. And these are musts of my program. You know, the doctor's opinion talks about it. I need, you know, there's a must here. I need to put down the food. I need to recognize my food behaviors and my foods that I'm ingesting that cause me to crave and to cause that allergy to grow. And that was the first thing, you know, understanding of who I am today and putting down that food so that I can venture forth in this in my, um, in my process. And um, I'm going to stop here and let Leah go. And if I need to continue, we'll do that. So Leah, it's... Hi, everyone. Thank my you. name is Leah D. And I'm a recovered compulsive eater from Brooklyn, New York. Hi. I've been a member of Overeaters Anonymous for 44 years. Um, I've only been recovered two and a half. I came into Overeaters Anonymous when I was 22 years old at the Moravian Church in Manhattan. And I went there because a mother, when I was teaching, said to me, oh, I don't eat carbohydrates. What do you mean? And I said, what do you mean? What do you mean? And she said, I lost 80 pounds, and I kept it off for three years. And I said, and how did you do that? And she said, OA. I said, what's OA? She said, Thursday night, Moravian Church. And I walked in. The Overeaters Anonymous of Overeaters Anonymous of my life then, I was a gray sheeter. You had three choices, gray, blue, or orange. Anybody remember those days? Raise your hand. Okay. Gray sheet was the plan. You walked in and you started at chapter three. Rarely have we seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed our path. I truly believed that the woman who created Overeaters Anonymous took this book and revised it a little. You know, if it's, it's a Jewish word, they took a little shtickle out of it. They took a little piece. I don't have to read doctors. What? My opinion, I'm not an alcoholic. Oh, this is not for me. This is not for me. This is not for me. I did come in and lose weight. I weighed and measured. You know, those were the Haley rules, you know. You weigh and measure. You turn it over to your sponsor. You hang out with the gang. You eat together. You sleep together. You drink together. You do it all together, and the weight comes off, and a miracle happened. I lost 80 pounds. I have this disease since I'm born. The pain you don't want to hear. The pain we've all got, it's the same pain. I maintained that weight loss for eight years, but life got in the way, and something happened in my life, and I picked up, and I chased it, and I picked up, and I chased it, and I picked up, and I chased it, and I never stopped going to meetings, but I never got abstinent again the way it was, because I thought this program was all about weighing and measuring and following the plan. All I got to do is follow the plan, follow the plan. Day one, every day it's day one, right? Yeah, they told me, sure. Yesterday's over, it's a cancel check, weigh again, day one. No one ever spoke about the big book. No one ever spoke about any of this stuff. We read about it. It didn't, I didn't have a teacher and a guide. I knew someplace in my heart, later on, after I put back the 100 pounds, I became a religious, orthodox, observant woman in these rooms in Central Park. I knew the answer was the big book. I found that part of my life, but that made it worse. Jewish folks eat every week like it's Thanksgiving. It made it worse. I didn't know where I was going then. Oh, my God, carbohydrates. Now you want me to eat carbohydrates? I can't function. And I didn't function because I never recovered. 
I was doing a one, two, three-step lift service of weighing and measuring of a glorified Weight Watchers. It's the truth. I didn't understand it because my guides were not the holy guides I needed today. I searched many places, pizza box plan, the crazy ladies of the big book in Texas, where you could eat whatever you want as long as you say you're recovered. There's a lot of people out there. You understand? There's a lot of them. There's a lot of them. When I put the weight back on again, I know the truth is I could be one of those 600-pound women. Easy. Easy. Not even a question in my mind that I could be one of those women. Easy. Two and a half years ago, my life truly became unmanageable. Not only was the weight over the top again, again, when I finally gave birth to my daughter, I became religious at 35. I had seven years of crazy infertility. She was born. I was 42. Frothy emotional appeal. It's in the book. The doctor stood at my bed. I had a C-section. He looked at me. I was drugged. And he said to me, you've got to lose 50 pounds instantly. I said, yeah, you're right. I'm going to do that. I really am. I promise. <laughs> Come on. I'm recovered today. I'm really recovered. Bill's story. Who needed to read about a grenadier on a doggerel? I still don't know what a doggerel is. What's a doggerel? They're telling me about a doggerel? Every time I read, I read the doggerel, I closed the book. What do you t- want to tell me here? What is this all about? But I am Bill. I am a visionary. I am a visionary. I see life the way other people don't see life. And Bill tried. And Bill was a smart man. And Bill had it all going for him. I can change the world, ladies. I can be the president of the United States, and I can't even look up cake. That's the truth. And that was Bill. Bill is telling you that he tried everything. He tried everything, and he tells you what his story was like. And he went back, and he went back, and he went back, and finally he went to Silkworth, because he went to the hospital over and over and over again. And the line that says here, okay, when he talks about it, and he talks about, he says to the fact that every time he learns something new in Bill's story, oh, self-knowledge, got it, that's what it is, self-knowledge. Now I'm never going to do this again. I got it, I got self-knowledge. I know who I am. Silkworth explained it to me. I'm done for good. And then what, what does it say over here? I lost the page. It says I was drunk. What was happening? Again, again I'm drunk. Every time I tried to think I had it, I didn't have it. And then what happens to Bill? Now, now Bill, imagine a very handsome man with that suntan that he's got because he's playing golf, right? He's got it. Next thing you know, you see a man shaking across the street. He needs six bottles of beer to get up in the morning. I know what that feels like. I'm also an ex-bulimic. I know what that feels like. You want to die. But you go eat again. How could you want to die and eat again? I wanted to die, but I kept eating anyway. On the left-hand side of my brain, it was, I'm going to die, I'm going to die. On the right hand, I was shoveling it in. Something's wrong with the picture. Something's very wrong with the picture. What's wrong with me? What is wrong with me? So when I came back two and a half years ago, and I read this book line by line with a sponsor, and that's how it works, ladies and gentlemen. Line by line with a sponsor. You get someone who's a guide and say, teach me. Read line by line. And the other thing is, if you don't know what the word means, look it up in the dictionary. I teach children with dyslexia. I teach children and tell them, if you don't know what it means, you have to ask. Stop me if you don't know. And if any of you don't know what I'm talking about, stop me, please. Please, don't just go, "Uh uh-huh. 
because that doesn't work. So when I looked at the words here, and I needed to understand Bill's story, what he was going through, I had to put myself in Bill's hand. Page eight, trembling. Trembling. Do you ever tremble? You don't look trembly, ladies. Who trembled this morning? If you ate last night, you're trembling this morning because you can't tell from your face what you did. I can't tell if you've got crumbs or you don't know where I came from. You don't really know. Trembling. I stepped from the hustle of a broken man. Fear sobered me for a bit. Okay, I'm done. Okay, now, now I got it. Okay, okay. I'm done. The last binge, okay. I threw it out. It's in the garbage. It's under the garbage. I looked at it twice. I tried to pick it up. I put the coffee grounds. I wiped it off. I'm a hardcore addict. But what I call myself is a word I made up. I'm a frunk. Being an overeater is not strong enough. An overeater to the world thinks I have no willpower. When you tell the world you're an overeater, they think, oh, what, what, what has she got? An alcoholic with food, they don't understand either, but I'm a frunk. I defined it. A frunk is a person who, no matter how hard they try to control what they eat, and no matter how hard they try to stick to a plan, it doesn't work. It just doesn't work. We need a different word for ourselves because it's serious. Do you know not my email, I get at least 14 different ways to lose weight every day? Am I, who gets emails just like that? Lose weight, skinny. And I'll tell you quickly, the dumbest thing I did when I tried at the end before I walked back. I'm so embarrassed to say this. <laughs> if you take cold showers and eat only cold food, it turns the white fat to brown. And if it turns it to the brown, it comes off. This is it, I found it. I stood under showers. I did it for five days. I couldn't. I said, I'll tell you cucumbers instead. It didn't, it's a lie, it's a lie, okay. <laughs> Trembling, I stepped from the hospital, a broken man. Fear sobered me for a bit. Then came that insidious day of that first drink. And on Armistice Day, I was off again, the first drink. I'm allowed to eat peas. I walk into the store. Oh, look, now they make them dried. Hmm. <laughs> Oil and salt. Same thing, right? Peas are peas, right? Isn't it right, ladies? Dried, salty, four ounces. Mental twist, doctor's opinion, sickness, off and running. The minute you make that decision, the minute that, that thought hits your head, hi, it's me, I'm having a mental twist in the store, help me. Okay. Bill is the epitome of what we go through, or I go through on a daily basis. Then suddenly, he gets a phone call from some guy who was his drinking buddy. I'm cool now. The stuff's hidden over the house. Lois is working. Everybody's doing their thing, and my friend's coming. We're going to hang. We're good. You know, we're doing the schmears, and we're doing the thingies, and we're going to hang, and I could do it with, with peace and love. And the guy walks in, and he's straight. What do you want from my life? But Ebby saved his life because he brought him to a point of realization and I bless Bill every day because God chose him to help you recover. Because God chose him to take pencil and paper. He had no internet. He had no spell check. They said he had a piece of paper and a pencil. And he prayed to God and said, help me write this. And God took over. Now, are there any Joe and Charlie fans here in the room? Any Joe and Charlie people? Joe and Charlie tell the story better than me. Bill knew he was going to die. Bill was going to die. Leia D was going to die. Leia D has a 23-year-old daughter. Leia D was going to die. I wasn't functioning. 
I used to sit in meetings day after day after day, and I, went, I never stopped going to meetings. Over the 44 years, I never stopped. I would say, my name is Leia D. I'm powerless over food. My life is unmanageable. I'm physically and emotionally healed, but I can't stop eating. And that's what I would say every meeting. I didn't understand why I couldn't stop eating because the program came into my soul right away. I knew my soul was good, but my head was screwed up. I didn't know about the allergy of the body. I didn't know why I was doing this. I didn't know anything because Overeaters Anonymous did not teach me this. That is not an OA meeting. Rarely ever seen a person fail. Well, what does that mean? That I can do in my sleep. Bill's story, every time I read it with a sponsee, I learn more and more and more and more. I learn who I am, and I want to identify with Bill. I want to shake with him. Nobody crosses the street, and his face is he's, he's gray, and he's beardy, and he's, he, he's a drunk. He's the people they step over. I'm that drunk. Lay on the floor, step over me, because I'm that drunk. I bless Bill every day because he gave us the ability to recover. And you must read Bill's story every day. Forget the dog rule. I don't know, by musket, by pot. It makes me sick. I'd cut it out tomorrow. I don't like it. I don't enjoy it. It doesn't do it for me. You know what I mean? I like to feel it. But when you get past that part, you're really into it again. <laughs> he, his story, his life began. And chapter 2 says, after Bill, what does it say? There is a solution. It doesn't say there are choices. It doesn't say there may be a solution if you be in tab. There may be, could be, there is a solution. We have Alcoholics Anonymous 17 know thousands of men and women who were once as hopeless as Bill. Hopeless is the key. I, hopeless. You know what hopeless is when you get up every day and you're not going to eat and you end up at the bagel bakery anyway? And you ordered it and you feel yourself holding yourself back. You can feel the pull of your body holding back and you order it anyway and you can't understand why you're still eating this thing and you just can't stop. I couldn't stop. There was nothing wrong with me except I couldn't stop. And I've come to understand through the doctor's opinion that I don't just have to give up foods that are on the no-eat list. You know, the CCCs, all those ones. I don't, you like mentioned food in this meeting? <laughs> Cookies, cake, candy, pizza, and bagels. I can't eat a grapefruit at night. Because for me, the allergy of the body is hunger. If I eat something and I'm hungry, that means I have an allergy <laughs> of the body and there's something wrong with something I ate. It could be cottage cheese. I can't eat dairy. I don't eat dairy. It makes me hungry. The only thing I don't want as an overeater is to be hungry. How could I be hungry? I know there are certain foods I don't do. I can't do steak with a bone. You've got to hold me back. I also still can't, 44 years later, clean up the dishes at night and put the pots and pans away because I instinctively get that finger thing. The lick, the thing, the da 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 It's still here today. So I have to say, do me a favor, come sit in the kitchen with me a little bit. Come, come sit with me a little. Am I a lesser person because I can't? No. I'm recovered because I say, come help me. And that's what I do. So there is a solution, right? This book must be followed word by word, exactly what they say. If we keep on the way we're going, there's little doubt that much good will result page 19, 
but the surface of the problem will hardly be scratched. You can't live unless you do what this book says exactly. Page 25, here's the crux, ladies and gentlemen. If you were as seriously alcoholic as we were, we believe there was no middle-of-the-road solution. We were in a position where life was becoming impossible, and if we had passed into a region from which there was no return through human aid, we had but two alternatives. One, to go on to the bitter end, blotting out the consciousness of our intolerable situation as best we could, and the other, to express spiritual help. This we did because we honestly wanted to, and we were willing to make the effort. Can I, am I allowed to break your anonymity? Do I have permission? She saved my life. She took me through the big book line by line, word by word. She saved my life. Not because she invented it, because she listened to you and you and you. And I used to say to her, how do you know all this? How do you know how to tell me this? How do you know? She goes, Call the meeting. Call Vision for you every morning. Just listen, 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 listen. I said, what are you talking about? Where are these words coming from? I'm here for 44 years. 44 years. Why didn't I hear any of this? Why didn't anybody tell me this? What's the difference? They didn't tell me. I never knew until now. When he goes to see the guy, when, when, when the, the rich guy, what's his name? When he goes out to see the doctor, right? He goes to put himself in mental health out in Europe. And he's good for a while, right? He's out in mental health and he says, you know, is there no hope for me? He's good for a while, he's straight, he goes, he paints the house, he flips out, has that first drink, that mental twist. It's all about the mental twist. And I remember calling someone in these rooms after three weeks of being recovered. I can break your anonymity too. I called Kim G and I said, am I allowed to enjoy my food? Am I allowed to enjoy my food? Is that a mental twist? I was so afraid after I came back here, 100, almost 300 pounds, I was so afraid to enjoy my meal that I was so afraid that enjoying my meal was a mental twist that I called her up and said, am I allowed to enjoy my food? She said, you can enjoy your food. She goes, when your eyes stop moving and you start looking for something else, then you know you're in trouble. I was afraid to enjoy my food. I was in the butcher's shop and I made a certain soup. And there was a certain bone I put in the soup. And how can I make it? And I said, whoa, wait a minute. I can't eat that. Mental twist. That's the crux. The powerlessness of step one can only be alleviated by working this program the way this book says, line by line and word by word. All the intellect in the world, I have two degrees, I'm an intelligent woman. All the intellect in the world cannot help me recover and put down my food. But I must follow all the tools. All the tools is what I've got, my tool chest. I write my food or I call my food, I call the sponsor, I make the calls, I do the service, I read the book, I pray, I meditate, 10, 11, and 12, Joe and Charlie, I lead, I do. Don't you think I have other things to do in my life? Wife and mother run a business? I mean, the minute I think that I can stop doing any of those things, Mental twist, I'm dead. The solution is in these pages. 
If you don't have a big book sponsor line by line, you get one today. This cannot work any other way. Sorry. When they came in and told me it's a suggestion, these are suggestions, it's a lie. It's an absolute lie. They made a mistake. When Bill wrote the first edition of this, there were even more musts. They almost hung him. There's a part in the book that says, if you don't follow our steps and don't do it, then throw the book out and keep drinking. We don't give a damn. You either do it or you don't do it. Now, everyone find their own God. I found mine. And my conscious contact, which is not about today, is strong, and I have it. But if you're sitting here thinking this is going to work by osmosis, by just saying the steps and doing the things and doing the... Look, all the peripheral programs are great. There are 14 peripherals. Whether it's 90, see how, gray sheet, this sheet, that sheet, all the peripherals are terrific. 400 gratitudes a day, all, the, all, all power to you. Writing, doing, affirmations, it's all terrific after you recover. That, in my opinion, will not let you recover because I believe unless you follow this book and listen to Bill and listen to the doctor's opinion, and listen to there is a solution and learn about more about alcoholism, there's no recovery. Because what happens is you pick up and you feel like an idiot. You feel bad. Anyone who picks up feels bad. We don't want to do that. We want to be recovered. We all want it. The key is how do you get it? And the truth is the way you get it is by picking up this book, getting a line-by-line -line sponsor, reading the stories. I bought a dictionary. There's, an AA, there's a big book dictionary that defines these words. You read it. You learn from this. You ask questions. You go on meetings every day. If you get a little bit nervous, if suddenly something feels a little not right, make a call instantly. Don't even wait. Call, text. Look at the world we live in today. We could call. We can text. We, could, we have conference calls. What did Bill have in 1939? They didn't even have telephone booths, I don't think. What did he have? Look what you've got. Look at the room you're sitting in. How lucky you are. By the grace of God, 60 pounds have come off. I feel like a new woman. My husband passed away October 10th of this year, and I'm still recovered. I'm not angry at God. God didn't do that. God made me stronger and how to live my life. He had his own God, and I wasn't it. God took care of that. I have a daughter. I have a responsibility. I have friends. I have a new puppy. Mm -hmm. And I had the privilege and pleasure of being asked to come to Cherry Hill, New Jersey on a Sunday morning and share on step one. My food is in the car. Isn't it easy to say, oh, I don't have to buy anything. I'll fix something on the road. We all say that. The rest of the world can do that, ladies and gentlemen. You must stick to what they say. Find a good sponsor, one who's recovered. Read this big book line by line, and you too can travel that road of happy destiny. With that, I'll pass. Can I continue? Okay. Mm -hmm. Hi. I'd just like to continue a little bit more on page 24. Ten minutes. Ten minutes. Take it. <clears throat> Hi, back to Devorah over here. And um, thank you so much. That was great. I love on page 24 and 25, talks about the fact. You know, what's a fact? The fact is, you know, I can't argue. This, we're all sitting in a room today. This is a fact. We're here out in Cherry, New Jersey. Can't fa I can't change that fact. Um, you know, as a teacher, I teach my children second grade. 
facts and opinions. You know, what's a fact and what's an opinion. And um, I never really, you know, th thought of that in my world of eating, what a fact is and what an opinion is. And the book is telling me is the fact, page 24, that is that most alcoholics, for reasons yet obscure, have lost the power of choice in drink. Our so-called willpower becomes practically non-existent. We are unable at certain times to bring into our consciousness with sufficient force the memory of the suffering and humiliation of even a week or a month ago. We are without defense against that first drink. And how true that is. How often did I gorge myself and eat and binge and make that promise of I'm not going to do that again. I'm not. I'm not going to eat like that again. Being so sick, running to the bathroom, um, you know, being so sick, laying in the bed and not being, and, and just realizing what this food is going to be to me, doing to me, and promising that from now on, starting now, I am going to stop eating. I'm not going to do it again. And then, all of a sudden, the next day, you know, I'm just like, I forget. I forget. I remember once years ago being so honestly I was pre, it was a pre, I was during I was a pregnancy and I had overeaten I ate a lot you know honestly pregnancy to me was a license I have six children pregnancy was a license for me to overeat you know put on those big clothing nobody could see what's underneath that and it was like I can eat now no one's going to know and I ate so much that it brought on some kind of contractions. I, I really, literally was getting contractions that I told my husband, I think it's time that we have to go to the hospital. And we got into the car and we're running to Manhattan because that's where I was going to go. And I'm, you know, left my kids with my mother and I'm running to the hospital. And as I'm getting to the hospital, you know, they put me, get there, and they said, there's nothing going on here. You're not, you're not in labor. And I really thought that that overeating really, really gave me that sensation of labor. I don't know what it was, whether there's such a thing about that, but that's what it did to me. And then if, and then how, and I forgot. I was so sick. I really felt like I was in labor, the pain. But I was so sick that it didn't stop me. A few days later, I was back in there because my mind, I forget. I really, really forget. And these pages remind me you know, who I am today, it's a fact. I am a compulsive overeater. Once I put these substances in my, in my body, I develop that allergy, and it continues, and it grows, and I can't stop. And I have to remember that on a daily basis. Each morning, I need to remember that fact of who I am. And that's why I do these, I, there are certain, I, I, I have boundaries around my food, because that's where it begins. Um, and then it continues on, you know, page 43, more about alcoholism. Once more, the alcoholic at certain times has no effective mental defense against the first drink, except in a few rare cases, neither he nor any other human being can provide such a defense. His defense must come from a higher power. So it begins with knowing that I can't control it. I lost all abilities. I can't do it. We heard about it from Leah. We heard about my stories. It doesn't work. I can't, I can take that action. I have to put down the food and realize what are the substances that are causing me to crave, you know, step one. But the bottom line is I must find a higher power. The higher power is not, is not my food anymore. The food got me into 
the, you know, got me more messed up. The food is not going to help me with this. I must continue my work through these steps and with a higher power, whatever your definition of a higher power is. But that's it. I need, once the food is down, I need to take more action and continue along this way. And, um, and what a relief it is today because I'm not looking anymore. You know, all those things that I was looking that was going to help me, you know, it's, it's done. You know, I reached that bottom. And today I can focus on becoming the person that God wants me to be um, because, you know, the food is in place. And I always heard people say that, you know, on meetings, you know, now I could, now I can continue on. And I would say, what are they talking about? What is it? What are they talking about? You know, I thought that it was just enough to put down the food and carry on and get on with my life. And after all, you know, I, now that, you know, but it's not. I needed to go further in this program. And that's, and that's, that's, that's where I get the real relief and the real freedom to know that it's not about um, me running the show, but it's about, you know, turning to a higher power and giving it, giving it to God and knowing that I'm not, I'm not the one who's going to control this way of eating, but it's really God every day, you know, the fact that I come in here and I'm not eating and I know that God is really, you know, has a solution for me, you know, putting, knowing that I'm not that higher power and, and, and submitting to God's will. And I really believe that God, you know, his will for me today, you know, they talk about like, how am I supposed to know what God's will is for me today? So I really believe that God's will for me today is not eating and binging. I don't believe that God wants me to eat and binge today. I don't think, you know, that's, that's not his, what he wants for me today. You know, God wants me to have a relationship with him today. And putting down the food and, and getting clean with it is the first part. You know, I have clarity today, and I could realize that, you know, there is a God out there. You know, because I always believed in a higher power, but it was so muffled, it was so blinded because I was so not available to reach out to God. And today, you know, I can, you know, and each day I do because I'm not, um, you know, looking and I'm not eating and I'm not binging and I have, you know, I, there is a solution today. And, you know, really, really grateful to, to, uh, to know that today. And um, I'm going to pass. Thank you. Thank you. At this time, please join me in thanking.